Well, in case we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name's Glenn Greiner. I'm one of the pastors here at Union Chapel, and it's an honor for me to be here to bring God's word to you this morning. Now, I hope you were here last week when Chris Mishler preached, and he kicked off this series on Who Do You Think You Are? He was so helpful, so encouraging, and you'll definitely want to check that out. And it's, he was just really helpful. Here's, here's one of my takeaways. There are many. He says, we are free from performing for our worth and value. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Today, we're going to talk about living beyond your labels. You see, we use labels to understand the world that we live in and make sense of things. And today, we're going to talk about tearing off the destructive labels that get attached to our lives and living free from those. And I think Ephesians 2 is going to be a great inspiration for us this morning. And we're going to read the first 10 verses there. So if you would stand with me in honor of reading God's word, which is our custom here at Union Chapel. And I'll read the first 10 verses. Of course, they'll be available on the screen as well. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you. You may be seated. We have to wrap our minds around this truth that we will never be who God intends us to be until we see ourselves the way that he sees us. Nothing holds us back than misunderstanding our identity in Christ. And see, our misperceptions, they cause us to short-circuit the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we want to believe the truth. And just let's get this all out on the table right now. We are all a work in progress. Nobody fully and completely realizes who they are in Christ. That'll happen uh, one day when we're in heaven with Jesus and, he, and we are completely, completely renewed. And so we all have a step to take today. So let's take that step together. As we talk about labels, we realize how powerful they are. They shape how we think about ourselves. They shape even how we perceive God. And labels come in all different shapes and sizes and from all kinds of different sources. And we want to make sure that the labels that we apply to our lives are accurate and true. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants to break the lies that you and I are believing about ourselves. He wants to set you free. He wants to fill you with more of his power. And so naturally, the first question is this. I want you to see it as it comes up on the screen. What negative labels are you believing? You see, our, const, our enemy is constantly slapping labels on us. 
He's constantly trying to deceive us, to get us to think less of ourselves, or at least not think of ourselves what Jesus thinks about us. The devil, he is called the accuser. In Revelation 12, it says, he stands before God, accusing you day and night, night and day, day and night, constantly accusing you. Now, here's the deal with the devil. He likes to masquerade around in your mind disguised as you. This is what I mean by that. He doesn't say, Glenn, you're bad. Glenn, you're worthless. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm worthless. He says, I'm bad. So he wants me to associate those thoughts about myself as coming from me. He might throw these thoughts in your mind. I'm lazy. I'm selfish. I'm stingy. I'm mean. I'm a homewrecker. I'm a failure. And here's one that we all deal with to some degree or another. I'm not good enough. You can see when we hold on to that negative label that we're not good enough, we can't reach out to Christ. We can't reach out for his grace and his mercy and his kindness because we're clutching to that negative label. And so we need to let go of those things. And you know, our enemy, the devil, he's an expert at half-truths. In fact, he even likes to use scripture to get you to believe the wrong things about yourself. This passage we just read is a perfect example. Can't you just feel the devil grinning as I was reading? You know, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. How you followed the ways of the world and gave in to those lustful desires. And then at the very end, he goes, and you were deserving of wrath. You know, he kind of uses that wrath, deserving of the wrath of God. And then there's this three-letter word right after deserving the wrath of God. But it might be the biggest but in the entire Bible because that's when it talks about the change that happens inside of us because of God's grace, because of God's love, because of his mercy. You have been saved. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture, wonderful thing. And I think one of the ways that the devil tries to get us to keep ourselves before the but is by sending flashbacks our way. Now, maybe I'm the only crazy one in the room, but on a wonderful day like today, I might be driving down the road or just enjoying the day, and then out of the blue comes this really horrible memory from my past. And usually it's way back. There's something bad that I've done. And it's like the devil, he comes at us and he, he slips those 3D glasses on our eyes and those noise-canceling headphones, and it feels like we go back in time. And even though it may be in the past, even though I've already worked through all the negative repercussions of those circumstances, I still feel shame all over again. And that's when the devil slaps that label back on me, saying, you're bad, you're evil, you're wicked. And I know you can identify with that. I want you to see these words as they come up on the screen because they're true because they're from God's word. It says, you are not what you've done. And you are more than what other people say about you. Now in your mind, you go, oh yeah, that's true. But you have to believe that in your heart. You are more than what other people say about you. And your past does not define who you are. And we know what it's like to be hurt by other people. Perhaps you've heard this phrase, it's been around for a while. It says, hurt people, hurt people. And it's true. I've been in ministry for 20 years. Now, earlier people just went, oh, 20 years. So I tell people that 
you know, I got married when I was seven and started working in ministry when I was 10. So. But we know what it's like to be on the recipient end of that hurt that comes from other people. We know what that feels like. And we also know how cruel kids can be because these labels that we receive when we're younger, they seem to be a lot stickier. They seem to be harder to get rid of. Anybody remember time tests back in elementary school? You know, raise your hand if you remember time tests. Yes, 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 remember time. Now, some of you, you love those time tests. You had so much as, I'm gonna be the first one done today. I could not stand those time tests. I was so frustrated, I could never pass those things. And then I decided, I'm gonna pass this time test. So I got out my times tables and was filling them out and I was studying and memorizing and practicing, practicing, practicing. And then... Friday came, because that's when, you know, time tests are. And I sat down and was filling them out. Oh, okay, I'm doing good. And all of a sudden, eh, I did not make it. I was so frustrated. And then what label did I get slapped on me? Stupid. Now, I know for a fact that I'm not great at math, but I know for a fact that I'm not stupid. I've actually learned that, you know, I, people aren't stupid. God wires people up in different ways. But for me, that was very challenging, and it's hard for me to let go of that because I make cracks, wisecracks about myself, jokes about myself, and you know, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, and, and I'll joke about that even with my family and my own children. You know, when they ask for help with homework, I say, what's going on? You need help with homework? They'll go, uh, we'll ask mom, dad, thanks. And so we have a way of bringing those labels back, those negative labels but the labels that hurt the worst are the ones that attack your character and who you are. Maybe you've had this said to you. Are you ever going to get it right? Or perhaps this one is stuck on you. You're a disappointment. And we've all heard these words before. What a loser. What a loser. You see, when you believe those lies and those negative labels... You embrace shame, and that causes you to turn your back on God because as long as you're holding on to that shame, you can't reach out to Christ. And that's why God wants to give you a new identity. That's our second point today. The word you're looking for there is you're filling in the blanks is identity. You see, your new identity starts with your salvation, but that's where it grows from. It's so much bigger than that. God, through the power of Christ, is going to redefine who you are. You see, we serve a God who saves. We serve a God who redeems. He can take something dead and make it alive. He can take something broken like you and me and make us whole. And again, as we, as we track this passage, it talks about how we're dead in our trespasses and sins. How we by nature deserve the wrath of God and how through his grace, he gave us salvation. And then comes the part in verse 10 where it points to your new identity. It says these words, you are God's handiwork. Handiwork. That's a curious little word, isn't it? I was trying to figure out what this word means, and it literally means handcrafted by God. Another translation calls it workmanship. You're the workmanship of God. And I love this. Another translation said, you are the masterpiece of God. Now, if you're like me, you might look in the mirror when you got up this morning and you did not think, now there's a masterpiece. You know. But that's how God looks at you. 
And I was trying to think of a fun visual example to help us kind of reorient how we think about ourselves and how we see God's perception of us. And I thought I'd show you a picture of my new car. This is a new car spot coming up on the screen. This is my brand. Hey, what are you laughing for? This is my brand new Bugatti Veyron Supersport. Let me tell you, my car is fast. It goes from zero to 60 in 2.4 seconds. Has a top speed of 267 miles per hour. I mean, you can get to church really fast in this thing. Let me tell you. And like this car, this is a picture of you. You have supreme worth and value to God. I mean, the, it's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around the value of a vehicle like that. You know, just so you know, every year you have to spend about $30,000, and most of that goes to an oil change. Yipes. And then uh, when you buy new tires at uh, $35,000 a set, and they have to replace those, but every four times you replace your tires, you have to buy new rims. And they're only $120,000 for a new set of rims. Now, the reason you have to buy new rims is because they have to glue the tires to the rim and the surface has to be right for their special glue. Because when you're going 267 miles down the road, you don't want your tires to fly off. And so I only paid uh, $2.7 million for my new Bugatti. And I told my wife it was a great deal, honey. Because the next model that's coming out, the next model up is $7.7 million dollars. I said, it's not every day you get to save $5 million, honey. That's that math brain kicking in there. Yeah, yeah. I want you to see these words as they come up on the screen. You must see yourself as God's handiwork, as his workmanship, as his masterpiece. You see, our vision and perception of who God made us to be gets distorted by all the garbage that we paste upon ourselves. You know, when God looks at you, he sees something akin to this Bugatti Supersport. But when you and I look in the mirror, we tend to see something like this lovely car. Yeah, that's looking familiar. No offense to the Yugo GL drivers in the room. But yeah, we feel like a heap sometimes, don't we? And now when you're looking at the Yugo and you're looking at the Bugatti, how does God see you? What category do you fit in? He sees you as that Bugatti. Now, feel the weight of that. Feel the weight of how precious and how valuable you are to God. You see, God, he's in the identity transforming business. The Bible is full of men and women who allowed God to remove the destructive labels off of their lives and give them a new identity. Think about this couple, this old couple who hadn't had kids and they were like great-grandparent age, but they weren't great-grandparents because they didn't have any kids. Abram and Sarai. And God gave them a new name, Abraham and Sarah. You see, in his new identity, Abraham and Sarah, they got pregnant. And Abraham's name literally means father of a multitude. And Sarah's name literally means princess or even birth to a nation. Phenomenal. Think about King David. He was guilty of adultery, guilty of murder, and considering that his son Absalom spent most of his life trying to kill him, he probably wasn't so hot of a dad either. 
Despite all that stuff, he was called a man after God's own heart. And then think about Saul, otherwise known as Paul in the New Testament. He made his job throwing Christians in jail and killing Christians. And then on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus in a supernatural way. And then what happened to him? Well, he became the greatest missionary to the Gentiles of all history. And he wrote half of the New Testament and basically formed our Christian theology today. Because he saw himself as God sees him. You see, God's power is bigger than your past. God's truth is stronger than the opinions of others and even stronger than what you think about yourself. Because God is in the life-transforming business. And I'm reminded of this passage in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new life has begun. You are custom made by God himself. You are no Hugo. Which leads us to our third thought today. It's that God wants to give you a new destiny. He wants to give you a new future. And so there's, I want you to see the progression through Ephesians 2 as far as our identity goes. Yeah, we talked about how we've been separated by God by our sin and how we were rebellious and how he gave his life for us and offered us the free gift of salvation. And then we are the masterpiece, the handiwork of God. And then it says these words, we were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the reason God wipes away the labels of your past and gives you a new identity is for the amazing opportunities that he has in store for you. God has a plan for your life that is more than you could ever imagine. And grasping your identity in Christ will change the trajectory of your life. Knowing Jesus changes everything about you, especially your future. Here's how big our God is. He wants to take your worst moments, your most embarrassing failures, and turn them into a strength. I've seen this happen time and time and time again here at Union Chapel. I know people who've struggled with addiction, whether it's porn, alcohol, drugs, gambling, you name it. And here's what they did. They allowed God to speak into their lives. They removed the label of addict off of themselves and began to see themselves as God sees them. And God, he built stability and strength into their lives. And now you know how God is using them. He's using them, the addict, to set other people free from the very same thing that they were addicted to. That's the power of God. I also know couples whose marriage fell apart and they fessed up to their part of it. Their marriage failed. And that was a come to Jesus moment for them. And they began to see that God doesn't see me as a failure, but he wants to bring healing and hope into my life. And they changed their ways. They changed the ways they thought about themselves. And they eventually got into a new relationship, but they did this new relationship right. They were mentored and helped by other godly couples. And now that they've been married for a while, you know how God is using them? He's using the home wrecker to heal marriages. That's how big God is. That's how powerful our Lord is. 
And that's what he wants to do in your life. Remember this super sport, my wonderful new car? Now, because you're my friends, I'd let you come over and look at it. Open the garage door. If you're my wife, I'll let you sit in the seat, the driver's seat. You can touch the steering wheel. Feel the gear shifter, push the clutch in. I mean, that car is art on wheels, isn't it? Now, what if I never backed that car out of the driveway? I mean, that should be like the death penalty. Really, really. Because this car doesn't cost $2.4 million because of the exquisite fit and finish and detail of the interior. It costs $2.4 million because this baby was made to go. And it was made to go fast. And the same thing is true about you. You were created for good works. You were made to go for God. You were made to display his likeness, his grace, his mercy, and his power to a world that is lost and dying and needs a touch from him. You were made to roll, my friends. And actually, you are way more unique than this car. There's only one you. And you don't need horsepower because you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You, yes, you were created for good works. That's what God made you for. There is no limit to what God can do through you. I want you to see this statement I know I'm hitting you hard with it as it comes up on the screen. It says this, that God takes your life, your failures, your shortcomings, and even your victories, and turns you into a magnificent tool to reflect his amazing love. It sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But it is. It is true. And I need help wrapping my mind around this concept. And there's this woman in the Bible who helps me get over myself. And man, does she ever have a label attached to her name, Shazam. She's mentioned eight times in the Bible, and six of those times, it's with this negative label. And her name is Rahab. And she's found back in the Old Testament. And here's Rahab's story. She was Rahab the prostitute, or Rahab the harlot. Now, there's a negative stigma against prostitution in our culture, but we can't imagine the pain that she was in. We don't know why this was her occupation or what circumstances in her life led to that. But let me tell you, she was the lowest of the low in her society. Everybody knew who she was and everybody knew what she did. And she was shunned for that. You can only imagine what that might do to her emotionally. I mean, she could hang her head. And shake it. Say, I'm just used goods. I'm only good for one thing. And there will never be love in it. No man would ever truly love me. And God would certainly never love me. But because of the people that she associated with, she began to hear all these stories about the God of Israel. And the supernatural things that he was doing as they were moving into the land of Canaan, into the, into the promised land. And the Bible says that her heart melted within her as she heard about God. And then she did an amazing thing. There's a knock on her door. And two Israelite spies said, would you please hide us 
because they were searching for them. And she brought them into her home and she said these words. She said, your God is the God of the heavens and your God is the God of the earth. Otherwise, there's no other explanation for these stories. And so when your God takes the city, will you spare me and my family? And they said, yes. So she hung a rope outside of her window and gathered all of her family, all of her loved ones into her house and they were spared. But the story doesn't end there because as Rahab got to know God, she became a new person with a new destiny. You see, God took her mess. He took her prostitute life and made a masterpiece out of it. She began to see her new purpose. She began to believe the things that God believed about her. And the woman who thought no man would ever want her or ever love her got married to a godly man named Salmon. You say, well, Glenn, how do we know that she married this guy named Salmon? Well, there's this little family list in the Bible known as the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And so Rahab is the great, 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 many times over, great-grandmother of our Lord. As if that's not enough, She's mentioned in Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews 11, it has a nickname in the Bible called the Hall of Faith. You know, we've heard of the Hall of Fame for the different sporting, you know, events that we have. Well, she's listed right there along with Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Elijah, Jacob, Joseph, David, and you name it. And in James 2, she's listed as an example of what it means to live out your faith. Wow, wow. And this woman, she had to be buried underneath a mountain of negative labels. Yet God gave her a new identity and released her to be a brand new person. She became a leader in her community where she was shunned. Isn't that amazing? And so when the devil tries to slap a label on you, tell him no. You tell him, Kiss the butt. Remember the butt we talked about in the beginning? Tell the devil to kiss the butt. That worked a lot better the last service. <laughs> because not only were you dead in your transgressions and sins, but God saved you. He made you new. You are his handiwork created by him to do good works, releasing you to do those good things. And so by the power of Jesus Christ, you have been made new. He has amazing things for you to do, a new future filled with good works that God has already prepared in advance for you. He already has them waiting on you. And so our job as Christians is to believe what Jesus says about us and to keep our eyes open, our eyes open for the opportunities that he has for us, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He has opportunities for you. It might be something as simple as saying hello to somebody. It might be as major as helping somebody take their next step in their relationship with him. But if you keep your eyes open, you'll see those good works that God has prepared for you. Amazing. It seems too good to be true, but thank you, Jesus, that it is. Now, wouldn't it be great if the labels we've been peeling off ourselves this morning would never come back again? Now, don't think for a second the devil is just going to leave you alone because you've heard this message. Even in preparing for this message, I had that stupid label slapped on me. I had to tear it off again. <laughs> and so the same thing will happen to you. And when that happens, you need to counteract that label with the truth of God's word. When that bad label appears, cover it up with the truth. 
I know there's so many people who struggle with pornography and lust. And that's true for just about every man in the room. And at some point, the devil's going to slap pervert on your shirt. And you say, no, no. But I am a worshiper of God Almighty. Maybe you might look in the mirror and just think, I'm ugly. No, slap the label on that. You are the masterpiece of God. Maybe this thought rolls through your mind. I'm unlovable. No one will ever love me. No, no. You are forever loved by God Almighty. I've printed out a list of simple truths about your identity in Christ taken from a book that Neil Anderson wrote several years ago called The Bondage Breaker. And if you're having a hard time grasping who you are in Christ, that would be a great resource for you. I'll also post it on our Facebook page as well. Because it's critical that you see yourself like Jesus does. You can see how you, you can be stuck in your relationship with God and in your life with Christ if you're holding on to these negative lies about yourself. Because part of freedom is seeing yourself like Jesus does. The hope that you have, your true identity, who God meant for you to be, is defined by him and nothing else, and nothing else. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? As we come before you, Jesus, we just want to do business with you. And we confess, just openly confess that we have believed lies about ourselves. And so, Jesus, we ask that your truth would penetrate our flesh, would penetrate our pride, would penetrate our past, and that we would believe once and for all the things that you believe about us. And so in Jesus' name, I declare to every person in the room, every struggle that you face, that you are free by the blood of Christ, that you can receive the grace and the power that you need to overcome those things and to reflect the amazing love and grace of God. Can you visualize those negative labels? I want you to see the hand of Jesus just peeling it off of you right now. Then as Jesus sticks that label on himself, that label just dissolves into nothing. Because Jesus has given you a new identity that's bigger than any label, that's bigger than anything you could ever imagine or hope or dream of and receive the love that he has for you. And maybe you're like Rahab. As you hear this truth about God, and maybe your heart is melting within you. And maybe you're realizing that you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that heaven may not be your home, and you want to go there, and you want to have this freedom. And if that's you, all you have to do is pray this prayer in your mind. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I place my life in your hands. I believe about myself the things that you believe about me. And I want to serve you and love you for the rest of my life. Help me, Jesus. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give a supernatural vision this week to see the good works that you have prepared for us. Help us to follow you in obedience. And so, Jesus, 
We want to lift you up. We want to magnify you. We want to let other people and ourselves know that you truly are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that you take the things that are broken and you make them whole, that you can take our mess, our life, and turn it into a masterpiece for your glory and for your love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.